what did we just watch, Amy? We literally just watched Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Sorry, it's like you, I literally just told you. <laughs> like that it's show like we that watched. that TV show, I literally just told you. Yeah. I literally just told you we watched Glass, Glass Onion. Onion, a Knives Out mystery at the movie theater. At the movie theater. It's you the know, it's a... second movie I've seen at the theater since the Panini. <laughs> the third, maybe. Third for you. I've seen two. Um, I think we saw two before this. We saw Dune? It's not important. We saw something else. Okay. I believe But I don't you. remember. Fine. What? I don't either, so it really had an impact on me. So, um, like I said, we saw... We saw a movie, we in, saw the a movie in the theater. We're good for two years where now. Where it is only not... available to be seen right now. You can't see this on Netflix yet, despite it being a Netflix production. Yes. So this is our very first impressions of it. Unresearched, unverified. And full of spoilers. Full of spoilers. I think you should also say, I have not watched Knives Out since I saw it in theaters in 2019. I haven't either. So I am not, like... I can make some comparisons to Knives Out, but it is not fresh yeah. in my memory. It's, it's a response to, you know, your vibes of Nina, Knives Out. Knives Out. Vibes Out. Yeah. Yeah. Knives Out was actually, I think maybe the second to last movie we saw in theaters. No, the second to last movie we saw was Cats. The, so the third, third to, last, to last. The third to last movie we, we saw, saw in, in theaters. theaters. Yeah. Before... Uh, the pandemic. What a weird world we live in. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Uh, again, full full spoilers in the very near future. If you do not want to be spoiled for Knives Out or Glass Onion, the movie we watched, turn off this podcast. And you know, it is a, a mystery film. So it is. It's a, it is a full of murder mystery. Yeah. Um, which you should know going in, and also know going into this podcast, that we are just going to say who did the murders, and how, and discuss all of those things. Yes. All right, well, what do you think? That's enough, that's enough uh, preamble. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know you said, walking out of the theater, you don't think you liked it quite as much as Knives Out, which I can see. Um, But on the whole, I would be fine... With Ryan Johnson every few years coming out with another Benoit Blanc murder mystery. Well, I've got good news for you. I know. <laughs> I know there's a third one coming. Um, but this, like, hyper, not hyper, but highly stylized, intricately plotted, kind of silly murder mystery with an all star cast. Yeah, just keep giving me more of those. Like, I get it. <laughs> it's my jam. You say that, but we have not watched Orient Express or Murder on the Nile, which are... I've seen Orient Express. Well, I haven't, so how did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I watch more movies than you. That's true. You watch um, movies without me. Yeah, well, and, and those are all true. I think this is... This is Death someone, on the Nile. Yeah, I knew what you meant. As someone who who deeply loves Poirot, um, I like these more. (laughs) Um, Mainly because, like, 
I watch Murder on the Orient Express. I've seen it. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. And that's and that yes, the mystery is is part of the fun. Seeing it happen is part of the fun. But also, most Poirot mysteries are told in a very typical Poirot mystery fashion. It's not bad. That's what it is. But the two Benoit Blanc movies we have so far have allowed writer Ryan Johnson and director Ryan Johnson to play with form in ways that I find really entertaining. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a structure nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the structure of these movies. They're not the same structure, um, which I think is good. I think if they were the same structure, it would be less enticing. Right. I want to be surprised to a certain extent, even when I know I'm probably being lied to about things. Um, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the mystery. I enjoyed the reveals. I enjoyed the heightened performances of most of the actors. You know, seeing Dave Batista with a gun in his speedo is just it works. <laughs> what did you think? Um, I definitely enjoyed it. I didn't think it necessarily needed to be seen on the big screen. I think it would. Mm-hmm. It felt. Like, it may have been made more with a Netflix screen, TV mm-hmm. screen in mind, which is kind of disappointing to me. Because even, like, I still want strong visuals yeah. when I'm watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that the cinematography wasn't... Knives Out was so striking in mm-hmm. its visual aesthetics. And this one was... Kind of like a regular. That's interesting movie to me. I, to I'm me. pretty sure it was the same cinematographer. Yeah, I just saw. Yeah. I just saw it was the same cinematographer. So please don't, please yeah. don't murder me. Because I'm. Oh um, yeah, no, yeah, it was Steve Yedlin. Yeah, um, who's one of the best cinematographers working. And I, has know. Done, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. You don't have to like it because of these reasons, but uh, yeah. Well, it makes me feel that I'm wrong. Like I missed no. something, and I'm wrong. Um, I. So what I noticed in the cinematography was not necessarily like that sort of striking quality that we had in Knives Out. Um, I noticed a lot of play in the physical space and where characters were both in the frame and in rooms. Mm -hmm. And I liked that aspect of the cinematography. I think it is a subtler thing. Um, but I, I, you know, in, since you're in what is effectively a locked room murder mystery, everyone's trapped in the, on the island, island, a classic, um, Agatha Christie style Mm -hmm. setup. Um, it worked, the cinematography evoked that for me in an interesting way. I do not think it was as flashy or as, as in your face as some of the things in, in Knives Out. So I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to watch again to watch for the character sure. positions. Well, in these, these movies you almost want to watch a second time, like, well, immediately. That's usually true of Ryan Johnson films for me, but yeah. I didn't feel like this one had so many of, like... The Chekhov, the subtle Chekhov guns. Uh, Fair. I thought there were a lot of them, so... (laughs) Well, I thought... Okay, maybe I just missed... I felt like they called some of them out as Benoit is, like, explaining the mystery. And and that was... I took away some of the enjoyment of watching it 
a second and third time to catch I them. absolutely agree with that. But there were multiple things I wrote in my notes that turned out to be those foreshadowing moments. Uh. Um, some of them didn't. But, like, I wrote pineapple juice um, mm. as one. Like, oh, I said pineapple in it was the question mark. Um, I wrote down uh, Ricky J that he had the boxes made by Ricky J, which turned, like, not specifically it was made by, it wasn't made by Ricky J, a guy who apprenticed under Ricky J, who is a very famous creator of magic tricks, if you know that. <laughs> most people that. would yeah. most people would not, but the magic nerd was like, ah, I know who Ricky J is. Um, he is a he is a magician, but also he is known for creating magic tricks. So having the box be made by someone who worked under Ricky J was absolutely a thing. I saw him hand... Okay, again, full spoilers. I saw Edward Norton hand him I the glass. I also saw that because it struck me as weird at the at time. At the time? I did see that. <laughs> and then the movie lied to me about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, maybe I just saw it. Which was brilliant. I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I get what you're saying, yes. And... Something that I think was really important in Knives Out that was not true of this movie is we get the reveal of what really happened, what's really going on, much earlier in Knives Out mm -hmm. than we do in this movie. We get about midway through. Yeah, yeah, I'd in, say in mid to, to later half of mid, you know, yes. Um, whereas one of the things that I thought structurally was fascinating about Knives Out is that, you know, you get the reveal of who did the murder very early on. Not immediately, but very early on. But we also come into that story at a later point. Um, whereas we're coming into this story more or less at the beginning. Yeah, I, it had me, like, I just kept waiting for the murder to happen. Yes. Because it's a murder mystery. And so arguably, the murder did happen before the movie started. That's true. Um, if you are looking at it from the perspective of... Addy... Andy. 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 Um, as the central murder of the movie, which arguably it is, that does happen beforehand, but we don't know that that is the murder we are trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And that's where, mm -hmm. again, it's doing something different in that Benoit Blanc is solving a different mystery than the one we think he is solving mm -hmm. over the course of the film, and we only get that reveal halfway through. Um, but it is a different narrative structure than Knives Out, and so I think I like what he did narratively in Knives Out more than I like that here. That being said, I loved Janelle Monet every second she was on I screen. I thought she stole the show. She was she was the Benoit Blanc of Glass Onion. Yeah. In the sense that like you didn't expect Daniel Craig to come in and like be so perfect in the original Knives Out. Yeah. And Janelle Monet did exactly that in this movie. And I loved every second of it. I, I thought she did a great job. I didn't see the twist where it was the twin sister oh, posing oh, as so, Andy. So and, brilliant. I loved it. Um, 
her switching between mm-hmm. herself and her sister Andy, yeah, you know, pretending to be her sister Andy, uh-huh. was really great. Yeah, she just lit up the screen. Oh, she was the star of the show. Wonderful. I loved every second of her. Um, I love the moment we first see her on screen. So the, the movie opening with the, the everyone getting these puzzle boxes, and it's like, oh, it's a mystery. How do we it's unlock it? It's a big it? deal, and they're all collaborating. Uh-huh, and they all it. call each other and work together, and then you cut to her in what looks like a very dilapidated, empty basement. like storage basement. Yeah. And she gets up, and she walks off, and I knew ex- when she walked off, I knew she was coming back with a hammer. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> hammer that thing open. <laughs> Uh, and that's when I fell in love with Janelle Monae in this movie. <laughs> and then the rest of the video. You're not also... just saying that because you're already in love with Janelle Monae. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's, I said when I fell in love with her in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm a big fan of Janelle Monae's other musical works. I think she has done lots of really great things that are interesting and compelling. And for the most part, she was an actress in this. I mean, she wasn't a creative professional but she created the character very effectively um, anyway she can act and sing and dance so that's good for Janelle Monae. Um I thought Benoit Blanc's presence was muted in the film it wasn't mm-hmm. he didn't and maybe I need to go back and watch Knives, Knives Out, Out. Um, but he didn't seem Quite as larger than life. Centered, uh, like his hands in the. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of like a Poirot, where everything's kind of from the detective's perspective, and the detective is the one solving mm-hmm. this. And I felt like a lot of the action was driven by Janelle Monet's character solving the mystery. Yeah, and I think that gathering was, evidence. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yes, she was. She was the primary agent in that sense. A lot of the ways. I think. Um, I mean, it's hard to just like keep comparing it to Knives Out, although it is literally a sequel to Knives Out. So, eh. um, Benoit was not the POV character in Knives Out. No, and it's difficult when you have to switch him from being. I mean, I honestly, I thought of him as like the Inspector Clouseau in the original Pink Panther. Where he's a very important character, but he's he's not the center of the story. And he's not the center of the story in this one either. But he becomes our POV character, particularly in the first half. Because we get the twist so much later and see everything from Janelle Monet's character's perspective. It's only then that he can step more into that ancillary, secondary role that... I think he worked better in than when than in the first one where he's sort of wandering around existing <laughs> and and lots of things are not being shown to the audience. So I think that's an important part of it as well. I did love I loved when he solved the murder the fake murder mystery before the murder happened. Yeah. I oh. that was uh Oh, uh, such a brilliant I, moment. Because what I expected to happen is he's holding ho- the billionaire... The Elon Musk. 
of the group is hosting this murder mystery party, and I uh-huh. expected that he was supposed to be the victim, and then, surprise, he actually does get killed. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. I also expected that, uh, and I appreciate that it didn't do that. There's subversion, and Benoit solves the, the dinner murder party, mis- yeah. fake murder, before it even happens. Oh, such a brilliant and everything. And it subverted my <laughs> expectations. Uh, yeah, it was it was real good. <laughs> I liked that moment. I liked that performance from Daniel Craig. Uh, it worked real well. Yeah, and again, I need to compare it with Knives Out, but I felt like his accent was a little more muted this time. Yes, I agree Because his that. accent definitely stood out to me the first time. It was a lot. Around. And this time it was... Um, more it so didn't, didn't, didn't stand out yeah. to me. Uh, he was, he, I mean, Craig was probably more embodied the character now, having done it twice and, and sort of becoming who he is in a lot of that sense. Um, I do think it was interesting that they set the movie specifically in May of 2020. Um, I thought that was important from, not from like a storytelling perspective necessarily, but it was one of the few pieces of media set during the pandemic that actually felt set during the pandemic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, despite it not being a huge part of the story, but part of the commentary of the movie is you have these rich and powerful people who don't really have to follow the rules and can get away with it. And like, yeah, you, sometimes you tweet something stupid you shouldn't have and that gets you into a mild problem, but they just take away your cell phone for a week. Like, that's the sort of level of... So that timing was used to influence the story that was being told, even though it was not about that. In well, any and it's way. also kind of like a double capsule. I'm thinking of capsule episode, uh-huh. but they're stuck on this island. But they've been stuck in houses. Yes. For May 2020, not yeah. They've been that stuck for like long. three months. <laughs> it felt like a long time at the time until mm-hmm. you realized. How long we were going to be stuck at home in yeah. the pandemic, but um, <laughs> so also that, like they had been bottled up at home. Yes, and they, you know, but they ha- there is this global pandemic, and they can fly to Greece. Yeah, and just you know do whatever they want. I did like when they meet on the dock to catch the boat. All the different styles of mask oh, wearing. Talk about just like subtle, beautiful costume creation. <laughs> Because Catherine Hahn's character had the mask that, like, wouldn't... Slipping down. Slipping down, wouldn't stay on her nose. Kate Hudson's character had the mask that was just, like, The mesh, yeah. (laughs) Mesh netting. Which which, somebody actually wore. Yeah, I remember. I remember that happening. Um, Um, But her assistant had the blue, like, surgical mask that were far more ubiquitous. Yeah, no, brilliant... Uh, costuming. Yes, they were very effective at communicating everything you needed to know about the character. And of course, um, Dave Bautista's character was not wearing a mask. Which makes sense with his oh, yeah. oh yeah. view. I points. loved him as well in this movie. Um, Duke Cody used the phrase, the breastification of America, and that made me laugh. 
Mm-hmm. It's not that he doesn't like boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think they made up that, but I knew exactly what. Oh it yeah, was no, happening. it was very clear what was happening. I'm trying to think what other comments I have. Um, I, I have another one that I thought was fun. Again, getting into spoilers, super spoilers. I love that Edward Norton character, Miles, was a doofus. Yeah. I love... That, like, the fact that he was a doofus was key to solving the mystery. How, like, pointed... Like, the first movie was not quiet about its satire of the rich. But just, like, straight up having your Elon Musk-esque character just be an idiot. That's the smart people do all the smart people things. Yeah. just breaks in the money. Yeah, I mean, no one in the movie was particularly smart. Well, I mean, like, The Apprentice yeah. of the Magician builds his beautiful oh, house. Yeah. And Gillian yes. um, Flynn yeah, he hires writes Gillian the Fender murder, the murder mystery, mystery <laughs> party script. Which, I mean, Gillian Flynn's great, but I don't think of her as a mystery writer. Yeah, that I would was... have been, I would expect it to be, like, a James Patterson or something. Yeah. James, James Patterson is the wrong James one. Patterson's assistant. But... <laughs> Maybe the wrong title. Yeah. But, but another best-selling author yes. of murder mysteries. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why Blanc could solve it so fast. I love he called it the, the New York Times mini crossword of mysteries. Like, what? I don't know that he was saying it to be insulting, but it was, like, such a burn, and I loved it so hard that it made Ed Norton so mad. <laughs> It was great. Yeah, and that uh, the murder weapon was pineapple juice. Just like <laughs> Just last minute juice. thought, last minute thought. Yeah, add a little pineapple juice to this. Uh, um, yeah, he he was incompetent. At, he at was the incompetent, and that was perfect. Or that he would drive, they didn't say this, but he would drive his, like, his super famous... recognizable car <laughs> to go do a murder. To go do a murder. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I hope nobody sees this unique car that I drive everywhere. That's one of a kind. <laughs> I was happy to see Ed Norton because I enjoy mm-hmm. him and he hasn't been anything. Not lately, no. In, in, in I think the last thing I saw him in was uh, Birdman. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. quite a while, was still ago. a while ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the stoner just hanging out. Turns out he wasn't going to be a crucial I mean, part of the was puzzle. Such like a we thought maybe he was. A beautiful red herring. Like. Yeah. No, he's just a dude, man. He's just hanging out. He's going through some stuff. Um, I liked the cameos. Yeah, like so many people. cameos. I mean, the first ones had the first set of cameos had Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim, oh. who have both passed. I know since, it was very sad. Since it was filmed. Uh, yes. 
and uh, Natasha Leone, who mm-hmm. is my vote to play Columbo in a reboot of Columbo. Yeah, I would watch that. I I would watch the heck out of that. Yeah, she'd look good in a trench coat. Right? Too. Just scruffy, bumbling around. Mm-hmm. I would I would watch Natasha Leone as, as uh, a Columbo. Uh, but then you also had. Ethan Hawke showed up. Yeah. In Just like, like, in like, like a nothing of a role. I was like, that sounds like Ethan Hawke. Is that <laughs> Ethan Hawke? Oh, it's Ethan Hawke. It's Ethan Hawke in just a, a nothing of a role. Um, I mean, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. As a, you know, quick. Like, yeah, two line. Uh, and Benoit's partner. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Officially establishing that Benoit is gay and nobody cares. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Joseph Gordon-Levitt voices the Hourly Dong. Oh, the Hourly Dong. <laughs> composed by Philip Glass. <laughs> I mean, also, How? made, it like, slipped in these jives at actual people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Philip Glass would be paid to make an Hourly Dong. Yeah. Like, and I'm fine with, with that. Jared Leto's hard kombucha <laughs> and Jeremy Renner's hot, hot sauce. sauce. <laughs> All of the things I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that, that could sounds exist. right. That could definitely exist. I mean, Jeremy Renner made himself an app called the Jeremy Renner app that was just like Twitter, but you can only talk about Jen- Jeremy Renner. <laughs> so, yeah, all of that was fine. Um,. Yo-Yo Ma, the Serena Williams cameo. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. You just think that there's like a poster in the background, a digital poster, and then she starts moving. And she talks to you. (laughs) Y'all want to have a workout session? No? Okay. (laughs) Just going to read my book. Yeah. Yeah, Yo-Yo Ma just shows up without comment. Yeah, just, well, he recognizes the song they were playing. Uh, yeah, it was a good movie. I liked it. Good job. Uh, Benoit Blanc was playing Among Us, and that was amusing to me. The video game he was playing in the bathtub. Oh, okay. Is a hidden role video game that spiked in popularity early in the pandemic because you could play it remotely over Zoom with your friends. Ah. And you had one person was a murderer, and you all had to figure out who it was while running around a spaceship. So, um, it was thematically appropriate, as well as being very cute to see Benoit playing Among Us in the bathtub. Yeah, bored. At, uh, Just bored. In, in the pandemic. Like we all Quarantine were. bubble. And he's bad at Clue, because it's an inefficient way of solving a mystery. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, no good at Clue. I'm not good at stupid things, I think is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, great movie. Go see it. Knives Out was probably better, but that doesn't mean this was a bad movie by any means. No, it was still very enjoyable. Uh-huh. But... Not one you necessarily have to see in the theater. No, not not a mandatory theatrical experience. I've just been looking for movies to go to the theater yeah. to see, to go to the theater. Because mm-hmm. I miss going to movie theaters. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I I look forward to the continued collaborations with Netflix mm-hmm. on future Knives Out mysteries. Yeah. Also, I didn't know Glass Onion was a Beatles song until the credits. I saw Daniel Craig in an interview, and that was mentioned. Okay. That's... Cool. But I'm not a fan enough of the Beatles to yeah. have known Well, and they that. played it in the, at the end of the movie, uh, yeah, which is yeah. how I recognized it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... I, the, until it was, a, I realized it was a Beatles song. I kept thinking it was a really weird name for a bar. As we were watching, I'm like, that's a, it's like such a weird name to call your bar that. But it's like, oh, it's a Beatles song. It's like, yeah, it's fine. Because yeah. um, of course it was. Uh, I liked that Edward Norton was rich enough to rent the Mona Lisa for a while. That was good. I mean, I was waiting for something to happen the Mona Lisa because it kept. It's, oh it's, yeah, it, it was kept, gonna. That uh, was clicking. the ultimate of like something. That's a Chekhov's gut. Something's <laughs> gonna happen stuff. with the Mona Lisa, and it does. <laughs> so very bad. Yeah, that was that was good. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm super clever, but I definitely realized what Blanc had handed her. Oh, I I knew it. I yeah. knew. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised she threw it in the fire because I really thought it was going to blow up the building. And it did, but I thought it was going to kill everyone inside. I also thought it was going to kill everyone inside. So it's like, do it, go outside and then do it. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, I mean, it's a magical made-up material, so it, it blows up exactly the right amount for plot. Um, but it was the the point of it was to get the hydrogen into the atmosphere of the ventilation system and use that to blow it up. So that was what she was doing. She started the fire to start the fire suppression system to then fill the room with... Yeah, anyway. It doesn't have to make sense. It worked thematically and that's I'm all I I'm glad everyone about. didn't die. I'm also glad everyone didn't die. Um, it would have been a bold choice. Uh, And I liked that the movie acknowledges the limits of the mystery format um, in a very important, like, literal way of, like, you can have the solution, but that doesn't actually solve any of the problems. Mm -hmm. And Blanc is very... Or cause any consequences. Yeah, and Blanc is very clear about that up front. He's like, I... I can give you the truth and that's it. Not at the front of the movie, but he's up front about that with his clients. He's like, you know, that's all I can give you. You know, if that's what you want, I can get we can get that. But it's not everything. So sometimes you have to make your own consequences. And I'm glad his car broke. <laughs> Why is it on the roof? Well, because there's nowhere to drive. Obviously, that makes sense. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Because there's nowhere to drive on the island. Yeah. Any more comments? And I'm looking over. Did you get your comment that you had in the car that you wouldn't tell me? Because uh, you wanted to say Yes, it? it was the I Didn't Realize the Beatles song. Ah, uh, okay. That was the thought I had in the car. 
Uh, I expected slightly more from Peg and Jessica Henwick, the assistant to Birdie. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just a red herring in that she sort of reminded me of the lead character from Knives Out. The so nurse. I kind of, yeah, the nurse. So I kind of expected them to like go somewhere with that. Yeah, yeah. So very, very red herring-ish. Um, I was trying to recognize if I recognized Madeline Klein from anywhere who played Whiskey, but I don't think I do. No, I didn't recognize the actors who did Peg and Whiskey. Yeah, I didn't recognize Peg. Um, and she was in two episodes of Stranger Things. But no. Okay. Uh, Noah Segan has been in many Ryan Johnson movies, including Brick and The Brothers Bloom. Is that the stoner? Yeah. House guest. He was in Looper. He was in The Last Jedi, apparently. He's worked with Ryan Johnson on a lot of things. Well, I don't know him. I don't know either. And he's been all over the stuff that I don't know, so. <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's a good movie. Go check it out on Netflix. If you still got Netflix when it comes to Netflix in December. Don't feel like you got to rush to the theater, though. You only have this week to see it yeah. in the theater. And then it goes to Netflix. We didn't go to Netflix till late December, like the 23rd. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I am so, just so uninformed yeah, in okay. what's going on. Are there any other thoughts? I think that's it. You want to tell them about our Patreon? Yeah, we got a Patreon where you can help support the show. We make this up stuff for free because we have these conversations anyway. And they're fun and we record them. But you can help us pay for our web hosting costs and our internet and various other accoutrements. To help us continue to make it. We appreciate it. You can support us on a per episode basis instead of monthly cap because we do not have a release schedule or any expectation of how many we're going to put in a month. So Sometimes you... we watch move four movies in a week and sometimes yeah. we don't watch a movie for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So there's no, no guarantees when we're going to put them out um, so you can support us there. You do get two perks. You get a list of the movies we did not watch. If there was a list of movies to pick from I will often give Amy a list to pick from uh, when it's time to watch a movie, and she will pick one that she likes, and you can see the ones we did not watch. Although, of course, this case, we didn't have that list because we just decided to go see just this movie. Although, uh, if you want a list of movies we did not watch, uh, just go look at your multiplex and all the ones that are not Glass Onion we did not watch. I went to see Ticket to Paradise earlier this week. You did go see Ticket to Paradise earlier this week without me because I was working, and that's fine. Um... And your other perk is you get bonus audio versions of the episode. More audio for your ears. From the moment the mic turns on to the moment the mic turns off, you can hear us talk to our cat and say other things. It's not necessarily worth anything, but really, it's just about supporting the show. And we appreciate you doing so. Mm -hmm. But you can also support us by continuing to listen, rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcatcher, or just telling your friends to listen to this cool podcast where two people spoil a movie that's not even out in wide release yet. Um, yeah, that's all the words. Yeah. Cool. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.